Hi, this is Bobby Kamari, and I want to thank you for listening to season two of the Living in Light podcast, where the whole season is going to be dedicated to the fabulous topic of sacred sexuality. I hope it blesses your socks off. I can't even tell you how excited I am for today's show because I'm speaking to the amazing Joshua Luke Smith and his beautiful, equally as amazing bride, Kira Anne Marie. This couple, literally, from the moment I saw them, I knew I wanted to interview them. And many of you will know them from their various different platforms because they're both incredible creatives individually, whether it's through their songs and poetry or as part of the Orphan No More collective that they founded, not to mention the many other things that they do that literally shift culture and their heart for God, the way they do life, marriage and intimacy is so embedded in a pursuit of true connection and authenticity and they literally just make the world a more beautiful place by being in it together and they showcase God in the most delicious way. Um, They've been married nine years and they're just about to have their first baby and I'm just so excited that they were able to chat to me despite having so much going on. So you guys are going to be mega blessed today and I just can't wait for you to hear from them. So Josh and Kira, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so, so excited to speak to you both. Oh, what a pleasure. It's an honor. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. I actually, I mean, as I mentioned to both of you earlier on, when I first had like my proper conversation with you guys um, at David's Tent last summer, yeah. like, the mm. whole time I was talking to you at the back of my mind, I was just like, please be on my podcast, please be on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, what a, the feeling yeah. is mutual. We're, we're fans of you, Bobby. We love everything that you do and stand yeah. for. So oh, it's an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the reason that I actually wanted to have you guys on is, um, I mean, a thousand different reasons. But when I see you both as this beautiful couple and this, you know, um, just the work that you're doing in the music industry, but then just as worshippers, like I see you both as such glorious priests and you carry mm. such a holiness but such a fun and such a creativity but then like this crazy compassion and when I see what you represent just as a couple I was just like oh my gosh I want people to hear from you both I know people are going to be inspired by what you carry by your heart um, and mm. the wisdom that I know um, you guys are going to release on today's podcast so I'm so super yeah, excited okay. to have you guys on. Mm. Oh, it's an, it's an honor. Okay, let's just fire up um, with why don't you tell me both just super briefly how you both came to know the Lord or were you brought up in Christian homes? Like unpack that for me a little bit. Um, Sure, I'll go first. So um, I was not brought up in a Christian home. Um, My family um, were lovely, good people. That was kind of the the mantra of the family. but when I was um, about five or six, my mom got really ill. Um, she had um, lots of different things wrong with her, but mainly a tumor in her body growing um, over years. So in between ages of five and 13, this tumor was consuming her body and we didn't know about it, but she was getting sicker and sicker. Um, and in that time, none of us, there was no like Christian influence. There was no Jesus 
Um, I think my mom wore a cross because she liked the fashion of it. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, there was no Christian in my, in my life. There's no church. There was no praying for mom, nothing like that. It was just all very matter of fact. So years went by um, and I came home from school one day. I'm kind of giving a very short, <clears throat> very short version, but came home from school one day and usually um, there was a nurse or some adult in my home um, taking care of my mum because she couldn't do anything on her own by that point. Mm. Um, and um, there was no one there. And I was really shocked by that and even more shocked that my mum was in my kitchen, which is too floors down from her bedroom which she hadn't been out of her bed out of her bedroom for years of my life so I instantly started crying and um demanded my mom to tell me you know what what happened you know how'd she get here who brought her downstairs you know how is she standing up um and she sat me down and she said Carol I'm going to tell you the truth and this is the truth um that will change our lives and so just tell me what happened and she said, Jesus Christ has walked into my bedroom and supernaturally and healed me, laid his hands on me, and I'm better now. Wow. So the illness that she had. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Um, God is so kind. God found me. Um, he searched me out and instead of me finding him. Um, and he completely healed my mom miraculously. Um, and the next day she went for a, a, a jog around the block and I cried the whole time she was, <laughs> she was gone. And she came back and I said in my heart, whoever Jesus is, he can have my whole life um, because he changes everything. And so it was very supernatural, very um, without any without any really knowledge of God beforehand. And I remember picking up a my dad's very old dusty Bible that was never opened <laughs> ever. Um, and I read, I, I read, I think the new Testament and I just believed it. Mm. And from, from then 13 year old Kara's life was completely changed. Mm -hmm. wow. Oh my gosh, Kara, I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> I just was not expecting that. Like how insane. Oh my gosh, that is wild. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> It's That's always funny when, like, yeah, <laughs> if people ask that question, like, when did you meet Jesus? I was like, I have this little sly smile. It's like, <laughs> well, Kara's going to tell the story, and then, you know, you're going to have to deal with it. Like, okay. you know, like, because people will ask, even if, even if they don't have a faith, like, you know, so what, what began your faith journey? And Kara will tell that story. Mm -hmm. And then they're in this position, understandably, where you have to either be like, okay, like, like that happened, and wow, that's amazing, or I... I don't believe you. And yeah. then where does the conversation go there? And Kara's just like, Kara's never like trying to prove something or trying to convince someone or something. It's just like, this, this is my story. This is how, <laughs> this is how it happened. Wow. How disarming it is. <laughs> yeah. And I just, Kira, can I just ask, so then what was that like for you at school? So you must have had like this radical yeah. experience. Yeah. Were you like going wild about it at school? Um, yeah, well, I was, um, it was kind of like a Saul to Paul moment for me because I was, I was a bully. I was really mean. <laughs> People don't believe me when I say that. But um, I was before when my mom was really ill. I was acting out in so many different ways. Um, so when I came to school, um, they, I was so different. I was like, just completely loving people and wanting them to know about God. And because I didn't know, I read Acts and, and I remember and thinking, well, they told everyone about God, so I've got to tell everyone about God. Mm -hmm. So even my bus driver knew that I was, I was saved. 
<laughs> every day I'd go on the bus and, and tell the bus driver about Jesus and tell everyone about Jesus. And then I got the Christians, um, uh, I guess, nod of approval when they realized that I was, I was preaching the gospel. And they kind of said, what, what are you doing? You know, you're meant to go to church. <laughs> and because I didn't go to church then, I just read the Bible and believed it. Um, and so it was, it was a real drastic change, real drastic change. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. John, yeah. how about you? Yeah, um, so I, I grew up in a, in a missionary family. We were missionaries in Pakistan, and we were out there for until I was about nine years old and then came back to England. And so my, my kind of introduction to faith was very much faith in action. You know, so my, my first experience of what it was to be a follower of Jesus was just witnessing what my parents did, which was serving the poor and those in need. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful that that was, that was my kind of, that was my experience of what it means to be a follower of Christ. It, what it, what it meant was, you know, you're, you want to help people and you want to, you want to see tangible change in people's lives. So I, I think my journey has been um, just finding it, you know, for myself, like an authentic expression for myself, my, my, my kind of, my journey has been, who am I? And I've, I've spent a lot, a lot of time trying to figure that out. And my teenage years were really just, you know, delving into things that didn't, didn't represent who I am, but were attempts to discover sort of my true self, um, often at the expense of others or, or my own, you know, self. And so I would say kind of my, my very late teens, my early 20s was when it really began of my, my, my pursuit of rediscovering this Jesus that I saw, you know, on the mission field, I would say, you know, this, I kind of call it the unvarnished Jesus, you know, mm. a Jesus that wasn't hijacked by any kind of religion or any kind of sense of um, just duty, but actually a, a, a Christ that, that was invitational, inclusive, relational. And I'm still on that journey. Like my, my faith is still very, I have an evolving faith. You know, my faith is very much, a process. I, I really identify with the imagery of a pilgrim, um, these men and women that kind of give their lives to a journey and a quest and um, unto a destination, but actually with the pursuit of, of change along the road. And um, yeah, and so I'm grateful for the upbringing I had. I'm grateful for the, for the, for the imagery that I w w was kind of, um, that I experienced and I exposed at the beginning. And in many respects, I'm kind of wanting just to return to that, you know, raw and real just expression of relationship with the divine in all that I do. Um, wow. And uh, yeah. I, I love that, Josh, because if I, if I consider, and I'm sure many people would agree that like when I think of you and I think of what I see um, in your, you know, kind of relationship with the Lord, it is just so raw and um, gritty and just it seems like you're not afraid of the journey you're not afraid of the mess you're not afraid of just the discovery um, so I, I had no idea that your family you know were missionaries and in Pakistan I mean again like these are wild stories guys like beautiful so guys I know everyone's going to want to know this but how did you both meet well, we, we, we have the same story of how we met. We have different stories of how we got together or the details around it. Um, okay. So, I, so I, I'm going to kick off so that I can get my, get my side of the story. Yeah, yeah, I'm going yeah. to tell the side of the story that doesn't make me look like a stalker. <laughs> um, 
but we we basically met at a Bible college when we were like um, 18 years old. We took a gap year, and, and, and I went over to Toronto, where Care is from, and we we ended up at the same um, Bible college. And um, yeah, and I, I literally walked in and I saw this beautiful Jamaican girl that I was that I was uh, pretty pretty um taken by yeah from 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 the get-go and and just spent sort of five months flirting you weren't allowed to be in a relationship on on the kind of course we were on so just heavily flirting for five months um which i i perceive to be very mutual care side of the story that makes me sound a little bit more stalkerish but um, <laughs> it, it ended well so however it began it ended well <laughs> Kara, what really happened <laughs> that is pretty accurate. I think um, I think Josh's um, encouragement and um, just his his personality to encourage and um, gather people and love people. I wasn't used to any of that um, when I met him. So um, he heard me singing one day, and um, and I didn't know know this. And he came up to me one day and just said, "Listen, I I I've heard your voice, and and it's incredible." And I was so stunned and so shocked. <laughs> one that this random English boy is telling me <laughs> that one he's heard my voice, and I have no idea how. And two, um, I wasn't used to encouragement in that way. Um, and so it definitely shocked me. Um, the level in which Josh goes to encourage um, is such a blessing to my life. But when I first met him, I was so shocked and so taken back that I thought, this is weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, um, but um, yeah, so he heard heard me singing and came and told me essentially, and then asked me to sing on some of his poetry. And, And I think that day really, he showed me his poems and I, I didn't know what love was then, but definitely when he showed me um, what he does and almost this who he who he is really in how how God has gifted him with communication and creativity, I was absolutely I was done. I was I was in, <laughs> and there I didn't even go. know how to be in. <laughs> on the record, on the record. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Josh, you were already flowing with all of this stuff at at that age. Did you say eighteen? Yeah, I've been writing poems. I've been into music and poetry for like, you know, since I was like, well, forever. I can't remember a time that I wasn't writing songs and working on stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's always been a big part of, part of my life. Amazing. And yeah. have you guys like at this point, so Kira, were you 18 as well at this stage? Yeah. 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 When you guys met, Kira, you've said that you wasn't necessarily used to that kind of encouragement. Mm. Um, so for you at this point, when you both met, what was like your journey with intimacy and just feeling connected with people, whether that's seeing healthy intimacy role modeled in the homes that you grew up, whether you were quite tactile, like, are you able to unpack that a little bit? Um, and even like sexually, like in terms of your sexuality, you're both 18, you clearly fancy each other. And you're, I guess, beginning to pursue some kind of a relationship with each other. But where were you intimacy and sexuality wise? Good question. Wow. You. <laughs> I think um, for me, there was so much fear. Um, I, I didn't grow up in a home that was healthy in intimacy. Um, uh, probably 
yeah, more, a lot of my pain came out of not having healthy intimacy. Um, and I think meeting someone like Josh that was so healthy, <laughs> at, even at 18, um, and all throughout our relationship, I would say Josh has ha- just been so healthy because I think of the modeling that he's had. Wow. But I think my, my journey, um, it almost unlocked a part of my heart to believe in intimacy, to believe that actually you can be close to someone um, and then not want to harm you or hurt you or, or use you. Um, I didn't believe, I didn't believe that. So I was very skeptical of everything that Josh did. (laughs) I was very, um, I would test him. I would tease him. I would reject him. (laughs) Um, I was, I was testing everything because I didn't, I didn't believe that intimacy was real and, and on, on that court, on that um, Bible college, really, um, it was an introduction to, to that for me with God. Um, so I was on that journey with God first um, and, I, and Josh came in, but, but my plan to go there was I'm going to go and do this Bible college and then I'm going to go off to Africa and I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have children. I am, I am just for the Lord. I'm not for anyone else. And yeah. so because it almost like Josh, ruined my plan (laughs) (laughs) my very holy plan um and um which I'm grateful for um but um at the time um I definitely so I wrestled with masturbation and pornography from probably the ages of age of nine maybe eight um when my mother was ill um there was lots in that in that period that you know was kind of you can't do everything. My parents couldn't do everything because there's so much happening in our home. Um, but I um, stumbled, curiosity, I think, got, got the best of me really in that time and a desire to be met intimately. And yeah. um, I found that in films and I found that in pornography. I found that in all those types of things um, in, in a world of fantasy. And yeah. so to, to meet someone who was real, who was offering me real intimacy mm-hmm. as a human, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't really get that in my mind, I don't think. And so I think the, then the testing really started um, and the back and forth of I'll play hot and cold and, and see, you know, we'll, we'll see if he'll stay. That was my test, I think, for him. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's deep. Thank you so much, Kira, for sharing that. That's mm. Mm. Yeah, just kind of, this is a really good question, Bobby. Um, I, think, I think for me there's, I think I'm, I'm naive to quite a lot of things. <laughs> like when I think of our relationship, um, I grew up with three sisters and I felt very comfortable around female relationships. I've often, I've always had very deep, rich friendships with women. And I found getting to know Kara just really easy, just because it was natural, like just making friends and, you know, making her laugh and, you know, building a friendship. And I've always been attracted to depth and, creativity and and when I say naive I, I the reason I say that is because a uh, kind of a um, theme in my life has been male friends telling me that perhaps I'm flirting in a way that I don't know that I am or naive carers told me at times you don't I don't think you realize that that girl might be attracted to you or you know things like that and I just I just don't see it um, for whatever reason so when I say naive, I think like, I, I think the beginning of our relationship, there was, there was probably less going on in me than what Carrie shared just then. Mm-hmm. Um, not, 
and I'm not saying that's necessarily even a good thing. I was just less aware, I think, less self-aware to some of the stuff that was in me. I was aware of what I had done in my teenage years, um, relationally, sexually, um, that I felt like I, I told Kara, you know, uh, about my sexual history, like Very so yourself. early on. Because <laughs> yeah. for me, it was like, look, this, this is what I've done, just so you know, like, here it is, it's on the table. Um, and it was kind of matter of fact for me. It was kind of like, there you go. That's it. Now, you know, um, you can move on. You know, um, there was less probably emotional entanglement with my story. Um, but that in, in some respects that's come later as, as I've grown older and become more mature and more aware of what I feel. And mm. yeah, does that make sense? Mm, yeah. And so for both of you, like, so for obviously Kira with you, um, with the masturbation and the porn and obviously with Josh disclosing like his history to you mm. did that give you some kind of comfort where you were like okay um I feel like this is a safe space where I can be honest and open with what I've grappled with or what I might still be grappling with like during the time that you two were dating or growing mm. in your relationship like did you feel um comfort knowing about Josh's history as well yeah well I guess um I should, yeah, I should say really. So from the ages of nine to probably about 18, I struggled yeah. massively, massively. Mm -hmm. um, and then on this Bible college course, really, um, God really dealt with and met, met that need for me. Um, but I think hearing Josh's story, it's interesting. I feel like I've, you know, I've got the kind of Pharisee in me and the, and the, and the thief in me of um, the thief wanting to steal intimacy and wanting to, um, you know, be scrappy about, you know, I'll, I'll take what's kind of left oh, yeah. over. Yeah, I'll take what I can get, that kind of scrappiness of the thief. And then the Pharisee that was, I oh, know I'm, I'm perfect and I'm, I'm a Christian girl. So I, I've, I learned, I did a lot of learning and observing in church when I went, when I started going to church, um, of what, what a Christian girl should be like and, and played the part really well, um, but didn't necessarily feel like I was being my true self, I guess. So those two sides of me. So when Josh told me about um, his, his past, I, I genuinely just felt like what well, my past feels the same. My, I felt like I gave away part of me and I, and I, did things um, sexual, not with other people, but with myself that I wouldn't, I, I would equate as the same kind of measure, yeah. if that made sense. So um, I felt like when he told me, I wasn't, wasn't really shocked. Like, not, I wasn't really like, oh no, this is a really big deal because I felt like what I had done was bigger. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I love that you said that the Lord kind of met with you at Bible school and mm you know, began to like bring you healing and freedom, which I just think is so incredible. So praise Jesus for that. I yeah. think, <laughs> you know, will be so encouraged to actually hear that. Um, and, I, and I'd love to, at this point, um, just speak about vacant, Josh, if that's all right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Also find out, um, you know, because in that piece, you do talk about like having the real thing, like having Kira and so yeah. it would be amazing to unpack that a little bit and and really like how the Lord used Kira as well um to to guide you towards true intimacy um yeah, so, yeah unpack vacant for me yeah well you know for, for quite some time I wanted to write a poem I wanted to write a poem about porn I wanted to write I wanted to write a piece that 
captured some of my reflections about porn. And for a long time, I was writing it conceptually, like about this topic, about this, you know, this external reality. And it just never landed. And I, I write things that didn't feel real. And the reason it didn't land, the reason it didn't feel authentic is because I realized I was, it, it was as if I was writing about someone mm-hmm. who in fact I knew intimately but wanted to talk about abstract in an abstract manner. Mm. And it landed for me in a conversation with a friend where I began talking about breaking up with porn. And that's when it clicked. It was like porn has been like, you know, porn in just one one thing I want to make clear. I'm not personifying porn as a woman in any respect. Although I'm a heterosexual man, porn is not, female. I'm, I'm talking about porn in purely the, the context of a destructive relationship that I had throughout my teenage years. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and pr- probably into like early 20s. Um, but I, be, I have been free of that relationship for some time. Um, not, not, it, not in the respect that it hasn't ever, like I talk about in the poem, not that there hasn't been flirtations or whatever but it was a big part of my life porn had a huge huge part of my life for a long time and um and it's where I learned about sexuality and probably the most destructive thing about it was is where I learned about masculinity and it it taught me about who I was supposed to be in as a man sexually and physically and I have spent so many years trying to unlearn you know those those things that you're taught and the images that you see and you know Kara has been the Kara has been my teacher you know like Kara has taught me what the truth of what I've needed to know you know throughout our relationship you know from the minute I told her probably like my history and she didn't meet me with shame and she she wasn't shocked she just received me but then also as we've grown in our relationship and we've been married our whole 20s I mean we're 30 now we got married at 21 we, we were we were young. So we've, we've learned about sexuality together. And I can say, and, and I know that in me saying this, this can be painful for some people because it's not everyone's experience. Mm. But let me say it as a, as a piece of uh, hope, hope for, for people, there has been no shame in our, in our bedroom, you know, in, in our sex life. It has been free of shame. doesn't mean it has been free of other things, there's things we have to work through, but I can, I can honestly say I have never felt shame about who I am and my body and what I bring, you know, to the table. I've never felt shame. And that is totally dependent upon Kara because, you know, intimacy is, intimacy is void without someone on the other end of your vulnerability. You know, I'm vulnerable. And then I, I put my vulnerability to someone else the manner in which they receive that vulnerability defines the extent of the intimacy forged between us. Now, if my vulnerability is met with shame or disgust or disinterest, indifference, then intimacy isn't forged. You know, rejection is probably going to be what comes out of it. But in response to my vulnerability with Kara, I've received um, just belonging connectedness absolutely and then so intimacy has been formed even when it's been difficult even when there's been times we've had to walk through things so vacant is this story of 
look, there's two paths you can walk down. One path is a false sense of intimacy. And, you know, my, to summarize my relationship with porn, I would say curiosity and gratification. I was curious and I still am curious, you know, mm-hmm. it's a curious young guy and I was curious about sex. And that's where, that's where the relationship began. And then I learned that I desired gratification. I desired pleasure. I desired fulfillment. I desired to feel a certain way. And porn allowed me to feel powerful and allowed me to feel satisfied momentarily and fleeting, but it allowed me nonetheless. And so in our marriage, Kara has been, Kara has taught me, Kara has given me the space to be curious and to be satisfied, but in a manner which honors me, honors my body and, and, you know, honors her and honors her body. And that's, that's the real deal. That's the real stuff. Oh gosh, so much in that. Oh my gosh. So, so, so much. Wow. I love that. Um, I love the fact that both of you can, can say that there hasn't been shame in your marital bed because yeah. you know so many people have had to wrestle with shame yeah. Yeah. Even in the midst of love um so i absolutely love that love that um and i just want to like pick up with you kira um obviously where josh has said that you know you have basically given him this space where he can enjoy pleasure and he can be satisfied and actually he can be met with um affirmation and honor so for you um as someone who has been a christian like i don't know what what kind of understanding you had of biblical sex or what marital sex should be like but for you how how have you cultivated this journey with your husband where you're like yep i want to i want to excite him i want to um make sex an amazing and i want him to feel blessed like how has that unfolded for you in oh, your life really such good question. questions bobby um, <laughs> thank you very really. much <laughs> uh, uh, i think um i think probably a few things really i think um that that we're the same people you know um outside the bedroom as inside the bedroom mm-hmm. uh, we're the same we have the same tenderness the same kindness mm-hmm. the same safety the same peace um the same issues you know they they all they do come into the bedroom with you mm-hmm. um they don't they don't just separate just because you want it to and, and i think josh has always constantly championed me um constantly been my biggest empowerment place of empowerment place of love place of safety that I do believe is a gift from God to me um that he didn't just prove himself he was himself if that makes sense so then to go to go into our um our our sex life and our, our sexuality together I felt like I was I was learning, like I was, there was, there's always a sense of exploration in, in many ways, but in our hearts, I think first, um, and I always felt so safe with Josh. Um, and I think that that was cultivated outside of the bedroom. That was cultivated in him asking me deep questions about my heart and searching me and me feeling, um, me feeling pursued by him outside of just what my body could give him. Because I think for me, pornography and fantasy um, as a woman was to get my, um, was to get comfort, really. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't for gratification in, in the sense of I wanted pleasure. It was I wanted to feel safe. Yeah. That was, and then, so my picture of a man and my picture of what a woman should be was from, um, you know, a very flawed and twisted system. Um, and so I felt like there was an undoing for me in, in our relationship. 
um, sexually, uh, which made it feel more like a playground of fun, of ease, of, of we're just two kids like having fun instead of this has to be something sexy or be something more. And, um, and I think that respect that I think we've, we've had for each other outside of the bedroom mm-hmm. and the pursuit that we've had outside of the bedroom made it so easy to, you know, physically be together. Yeah, I think when when anyone looks at you both, there there clearly is such a beautiful friendship, you know, mm. between you both, and I and I think that intimacy it clearly permeates every part of your existence for both of you. That you're yeah. intimate from center to circumference with one another, and mm. that actually is rooted in your relationship with the Lord. Um, so I I love the fact that your friendship is actually what undergirds like your deepest intimacy mm-hmm. um, I think you said you got married when you were 21 is that right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so yeah, how has that been for you because obviously you got married quite young mm. and just growing like growing creatively growing you know just relationally and all of that stuff how have you found the journey and obviously now you're going to have a, a baby which is yeah. incredible um, <laughs> how has that journey been from getting together quite young what have you had to grapple with as you've journeyed through your 20s into now your 30s oh, many things. yeah no yeah many things a lot it hasn't hasn't always been easy i think getting married young is very much we've got friends who've, be, who've got married older in life and kind of the way that i would sort of see the two difference and one isn't better than the other there's different is um when you get married young you really are marrying someone who just who doesn't know who they are yet you know and that's that is life you know i mean like if you read anything around the spiritual life you know there's so much about these two halves of our of our numerical years you know like um i would say from now probably until i don't know 40s or whatever like there's still so much that you're figuring out in terms of self-awareness and personality and communication. And, you know, we've got, we've got really good friends in their fifties and, and sixties. We are really actually good friends, not just mentors, but friends. Mm-hmm. And what I know of those people is they just know who they are. They just know. It's just, I know this is what I like, what I don't like. And in your twenties, you don't, you're figuring it all out. So our twenties have been that. What do I actually like? What makes me me? What are my hobbies? You know, and then deeper, like, what are my issues? What are the? What is my shadow? What are the things that have? Who am I tr- pretending to be? And even in marriage, who am I pretending to be? And what are some of the the wounds and and issues in my life? We we've really had to bear witness to one another getting healed. Do you know what I'm saying? Like actually becoming healed in areas where there have been wounds. And that is not pretty. That is being in the trenches together, seeing someone you love really, you know, in a manner in which they would not like kerosene in ways I wish he hadn't, you know, but it's like, well, that's, that's unfinished Josh. That's Josh trying to, that's your, that's the existential angst that I'm going through or the inner healing or whatever. So I think getting married young is beautiful because you get to grow up together. But you also have to recognize you're, you're marrying someone and as you know yourself as well, you don't know who you are yet. You really don't. And so with that comes the learning and all the tension that, <laughs> that is a part of that learning process. Yeah. And I think in, you know, um, I always have this 
picture of marriage being this like key that fixes something um you know that mm. lovely you know crescendo of a moment of i've found the person that i want to be with and god loves it everyone loves it this is now you know i not necessarily my end but it was like this is gonna fix right. all the broken parts yeah and it's just not true you're marrying a human and you're a human and so it's gonna be messy, and and I would say probably our first five years were really, really messy, mm, yeah. <laughs> really messy. And but I don't think that's uncommon. I just think that's normal being human. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, whether that's you know sexuality or whether that's finances, you know, a friend of ours gave us the best advice ever when we got married, and they said just do breakfast together. Just do breakfast. Figure out how you do breakfast and everything else, you know, will will come. It's one of the best advice I think we ever got because it just makes you human. Not not superhuman, not not because you put a ring on your finger and you said I do in front of God and your friends that everything's going to be fine. It's actually you've said yes to I choose you every day for the rest of my life, which that's going to cause mess. (laughs) Mm, So good. And... um, how do you guys make sure that God stays central to your union? Yeah, there's um, there's this the, uh, Hebrew phrase called um, zimzum, and it, it speaks of basically space, um, space between you. Um, and so there, there's reference to it in Genesis, like the void, the space in which God created. And, and I think of like, there is a space between Care and I, you can't see it. It's not tangible. You can't touch it, but it's there. And, and we become most aware of it when we decide intentionally how we fill it. If we fill it with indifference, if we fill it with like a sort of a lack of intentionality, you begin feeling the space in a way that is, that is like, isn't as positive. If we fill it with pursuit and romance, we begin feeling it. If we fill it with rejection, you feel it. And when we pursue God, when we pursue the divine in our own lives in, in, in authentic ways, that space is filled with an invitation to be who you've always been, absolutely who you've always been. It's a welcoming space. But that requires like an authentic individual relationship with the divine of saying, I'm, I'm going to meet with God this morning as I am. I'm not going to go through the motions. I'm not going to just do the should. I should do this. I'm actually going to pursue God. I, and so we, we talk quite a lot. We have this ongoing conversation about God. Like it isn't fixed. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not, if you get married young or whenever you get married, just a huge bit of advice I'd give is like, that person's relationship with God is going to change. If it doesn't change, it's static. And God is not static. It says in, in John, Jesus says, you know, those who are born of the spirit move like the wind of God. The wind blows however it means. God is moving, you know. Isaiah, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do not perceive it. It springs forth like a river in the desert. God, God is wild, you know. And a relationship with God individually is wild and untamed. And that means, like in our, in our last, we've been married nine years this year, the way we talk about God has changed. The emphasis has changed, you know. And so my encouragement to Kara is, Go and, go and discover this wild, divine dance that you've been invited into. Mm. I'll do the same. Mm. And if we do that, then we'll find ways of dancing together, even if at times our emphasis is different, you know. So 
there would be times that we would get out of the guitar and we'd sing worship songs and for hours and be, you know, that's awesome. Then there's times where all we'll do is once a week pray a liturgy together, you know, because that's, that's a place of unification. It's, it's evolving, it's changing, and I think that's really, really important. What I would say is whatever we go through and whatever, however our relationship with God does change and does evolve, we just want to encourage each other to stay in the conversation, you know, like stay in the pursuit. We've walked through grief together. We've walked through pain. We've walked through difficult times. And what I think has been brilliant for us both is just don't, you know, we've talked about Psalm 23 one time during one of the hardest points of our marriage. And we just said, look, Psalm 23 says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So it was saying we are walking through a valley. And, and it, is a, it is a dark valley. But the one thing we will both choose is not to fear. That's all, that's all we're going to choose. We're not going to say every morning, I want to hear you declaring this or putting this music on. Blah, blah. Just let's just keep fear absent in our household. We agree with that. And then we can build on something. The what, so I'm kind of going on a tangent now. I'll, I'll wrap this up in a second. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the, you know, the most dangerous thing that you can do that we can do is become indifferent and become numb you know time and time jesus says in the gospels i say all these things to you that you would stay awake so i just want to keep Kara awake and she just wants to keep me awake don't fall asleep stay awake stay alive you know yeah 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 it's like you're you're one another's greatest cheerleaders yeah and so no matter what you're going through um even if you might know that there's problems but you're ultimately going to keep encouraging one another to yes. stay present with the Lord. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's incredible. And how for both of you, because obviously you're in the spotlight, you know, musically and just creatively. So how do you both and, and obviously you're both beautiful people, um, visually and personality wise. So how do you both maintain your marital intimacy and a place of purity um, when you are like maybe on the road or you're performing or you're doing worship or you're out there and maybe things are getting busy. Like how do you um, protect both of your intimacy with one another? Yeah, great question. Mm. Um, We've got a phrase that we picked up a few years ago called nothing hidden. Mm. And that's, that's probably a value of ours, nothing hidden. Um, and, and what that evokes is just no secrecy, no darkness, you know, n- nothing, nothing behind the scenes, which honestly does create some difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've had conversations in our marriage about finding someone attractive, you know, um, because we do. There's loads of, there are billions of really beautiful people out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is something that within Christendom people disagree on. I'll just say it as I see it. I, I think, I, I don't believe in like the one, you know what I mean? Like there's this one person that you've got to find. Mm-hmm. I, I think that we're compatible, compatible with a lot of people. Yeah. And what makes it so majestic is that you choose yeah. you. And when I choose you, I'm not, I'm unchoosing intentionally everybody else. Mm-hmm. So um, for us to have honest conversations of, you know that person? Yeah, I, I think they're kind of hot. I, I was kind of attracted to them and I, I made eye contact with them across the room. And I just, just want to confess that to you. Like that, those aren't easy conversations, but they're conversations that really bring us together because it's like, 
I'm not denying the fact that someone else is attractive, but I'm affirming the fact that I choose you over that, you know? And so by, by care of seeing that someone else is attractive doesn't make me any less attractive. It doesn't make me any less of who I am. It just affirms the fact that she's chosen me. And um, I mean, sometimes I, I play shows without Kara. Um, and, you know, there's just been times, I think for me, where it's, I just, I just get to celebrate what is real in my life. And what is real is a woman who has seen every part of who I am and has chosen me over and over again. And there are, there's probably a number of women that have seen me on a stage or whatever that, I don't know, might be attracted to an idea of who Joshua is, uh, you know, but they don't, they don't know me. Like they don't see, they don't see who I really am. Kara does and she chooses that. And so for me, it's like, I'm going to choose the person who actually chooses me, not the person who like swipe on Instagram or mm-hmm. sees me on a stage or sees a gift. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and for you, Kira, how have those conversations been for you? Like where Josh has, you know, just mentioned, um, that example of making eye contact with someone like how has it been for you having those conversations or being real with Josh and saying you know I found someone attractive or I held someone's gaze what have those conversations been like for you yeah um, I think a value of our relationship all the way through has always been connection mm. uh, we fight uh, for connection, try to protect connection at all costs and honesty and vulnerability has to be in that um, or else it's not real connection. It's not real intimacy if it's not two way. Um, And I think I've had to learn, definitely, I've had to learn to be um, a bit more robust in myself to have conversations like that. They definitely in the beginning, they, they floored me because <laughs> I thought no way. Um, but even the, even the ones that I've brought to Josh, like I've brought Josh many, you know, conversations about even finding someone in our friendship group attractive. Now that's a raw conversation to have. It's not just a stranger. Um, and you know, those things, those moments, I, I remember being so terrified to bring things like that. Mm. Um, you know, the shame, the fear is all real. It's all there. Um, but the intimacy and the friendship and connection that we won afterwards, um, and that's not just physically, that's literally just being known by someone and accepted by someone who's literally just seen, you know, the worst part of you and said, it's okay. Um, there is something in that that um, I think has fueled, I think, me to keep going, that it's worth it. It's always going to be worth it, even if it's hard, even if I've slipped up, even if I wanted someone someone else's attention or, you know, I'm feeling lonely at home while Josh is away. Um, those types of things are where accountability is so key. Like Josh um, is a, and I have decided, you know, these are a few people in our life, friends in our life that we're going to be extremely honest with. And, um, and those people have kept us safe, kept mm. us accountable. They, they know everything in our marriage um, majority and, mm. and when we're traveling as well, or when Josh is traveling and, and, and I'm not with him, um, people check on us because we need that. We need to be checked on. <laughs> um, and I think that those even that for me has been a learning curve of, oh, no, I need to be honest with people and not just tell them, 
what I think they want to hear. I need to tell them the yeah. truth. Um, and um, and same to Josh. I don't just need to tell him what I think he wants to hear. I need to tell him the truth. Um, and in even traveling together, you know, I, like Josh said, you know, his sweet naivety sometimes um, and, and humility, I think, um, which is a good thing. He doesn't notice when girls like him or are flirting with him. But I, I definitely notice. I'm definitely, yeah. definitely there noticing. <laughs> yeah. um, but I have such a deep security in our, fr in our friendship, in our relationship, um, that Josh only has eyes for me. And, and that he has constantly um, shown me that, not just because he's done that perfectly, but because we've, all, we've worked on that connection and worked on that communication, really. Gosh, that is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Like, so, so powerful because um, everyone wants the fruit of brave communication, but, mm -hmm. you know, actually communicating with someone your heart, um, I mean, it's the scariest thing. And yeah. Yeah, to actually hear that you guys have, you know, intentionally worked at that. And even when it's been painful or scary or um, petrifying, you guys have still pursued it because of the reward and the accountability. Um, but yeah, that is so encouraging and refreshing to hear. And I love the fact that you've got um, mentors, but stroke friends, you know, people that actually know your marriage. And yes. You know, yeah. Perform. You know, mm. which, I, which I think that um, in Christendom is sometimes difficult to actually find people mm. that, that you don't have to perform in front of. Yeah. And yeah. I love the fact that you both actually have people that are just going to love you and affirm you, but, but tell you what's what and be yeah. with you and not believe yeah. your hype. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really powerful. Really, really powerful. I absolutely love that. Um, so guys, will you give some advice to people that are dating? So mm -hmm. we didn't get around to kind of talking about what your dating journey was like, um, but from your experiences and having been married, um, what would you say to two people that are actually dating as believers? They want to be honoring, they want to be authentic, they you know, want to do the journey well, whether they are pursuing marriage or not you know yeah. what would be some advice that you two would give to people that are dating um yeah good question i i tend to think in terms of vision a lot in, in life like the, the question that rolls around my mind constantly is what's the vision what's the vision proverb talks about um where there is no vision that people throw off restraint and i think that's so, so powerful because it basically says look you can have all the intention to produce the right behavior um, but without vision, that intentionality is just going to be dismissed, you know? Um, and so that is a question that I would ask, that I do ask people who are dating kind of early on, like, what's the vision here, you know? And it, what I'm not asking is, tell me that the vision is marriage. I'm genuinely asking, what's the vision, you know? And if the vision is, we're just getting to know each other. That's the vision. We're just getting to know each other. Well, a really, a really helpful principle is just allow your vulnerability or your intimacy uh, however, you, however you want to call it, allow that to be in response to commitment. Like don't share, don't be vulnerable to a point that you aren't committed. And that's probably something that we've learned it, the hard way at times of like, actually, you know, maybe I gave away something that could, I could have like held on to a little bit longer. Um, but just knowing the vision of where you're going with this is critical because it protects you. It's like, Hey, the vision is genuinely becoming friends. Okay, well, 
making out is really probably not a good idea for becoming friends. That's going to change the friendship. Do you know what I mean? Um, and if the vision, you know, the, hey, uh, we, we don't want to have sex. Why? Why do you want to have sex? It's completely normal and natural biologically to want to have sex. Why? Well, our vision is to have sex within marriage. Why is that? Well, because it says so in the Bible. But why? Why is that your vision? And when you, when you get down to like, no, this is my vision, and it runs through me with conviction, like your, your, the, the kind of day-to-day behavioral aspects of your relationship are really going to flourish. Yeah. They're really going to flourish in response to like a deep set vision and conviction. And it doesn't make it like dry and strategic. It's none of that. When I talk about vision with people, I often just say, just close your eyes and close your eyes and open your eyes. Open your eyes. That's vision. Vision is just seeing. Vision isn't having like a strategy. Vision is saying, I, I, I'm not blind in this. I'm not like walking in with like this numb naivety. I'm actually, my eyes are open and I see where I'm going. And so um, I think I've seen too many relationships without vision and they're just going round and round in circles. And you know, what are you guys doing with dating? Are you, you've been dating for four years, man. Like, you yeah. know, where, where is this going? Is this it is a healthy question to ask. Paul talks about in the New Testament of like, you know, that don't, 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 um, if you're burning with passion, get married. Like if you're, if there's, if you're burning with passion, you get married. Why? Because you need like a vessel to yeah. hold the passion that you feel, you know? And, and yeah, that's why kind of the context of commitment and, and intimacy is so important. Mm, so good. Wow. So good. Um, Kira, for you? Yeah, I think like what comes to mind is like, is help each other. I think yeah. actually be in the relationship to help each other. Mm. Like if you know the vision is, uh, you know, we want to get married one day and, you know, the whole concept of I want to walk this well um, is sure on every, you know, Jesus following couple's heart is I, I want to, I want to come to our wedding day and, you know, whether it's saving ourselves completely or whether it's this, that, or the other, whatever it is, like God loves you and God is for you. And, um, I think helping each other was a big part of yeah. our, our dating life. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I remember doing it, you know, I know the trousers that makes Josh really excited. <laughs> <laughs> wear them. And I would wear them and, and it was unhelpful. It was just yeah. so unhelpful. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but I wanted, you know, we want to be desired. We want to, we want to feel excited. We want to feel like our relationship is moving forward. But in dating and engagement and, you know, those processes are there for a purpose um, and to help each other. Like we, we are big fans of like phrases. So we make up phrases that help each other. So, you know, when we were dating, it was, do you want a cup of tea? Meant I cannot stay in the room alone with you. Um, Or we will absolutely be doing something that we can't, that we don't want to do, where we don't want to go. So say yes to a cup of tea, even though you don't want one. (laughs) Um, And let's leave this room and leave this moment. And and those those types of things have been throughout our marriage as well. Let me help you. Let let this not be um, a shameful moment or a moment that um, feels like we're two steps back, one step forward. Let's just say that we're both human and we both want each other and that's great. But how can we help each other? And and that's that's been really um, a core part 
I think, mm-hmm. of, of our dating life for sure. And um, also I think I would say is, is do the work on yourself yes. with God. That's good. Um, that was huge for my journey to really understand the gift of who Josh was to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I saw it at times, but I couldn't see it, couldn't see myself that way. So how can I give myself to him in intimacy and friendship and connection? Um, if I can't see myself as a gift, mm-hmm. if I can't see myself as that good thing that's going to add to his life, not take away from his life. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, especially emotionally and spiritually, like my greatest um, advice would be, you know, press into Jesus, press into the, those those parts of our hearts that we want to hide away. Let there be nothing hidden. Yeah. Let there be a space with God where there is nothing hidden yeah. so that there can be a space with people where there is nothing hidden. Um, that was that was huge from, from, from my journey, huge yeah. from my journey to God be able life. to be loved. Yeah, so much wisdom. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, like having vision and being a blessing to one another, and then your code words, you know, (laughs) exit strategies, but devoid of shame or devoid of kind of yeah oppression. Like I absolutely love, love, love that. Oh wow. Um, I'm glad to say that we're literally we've come to the end of our time of this incredible Mm. conversation. It's been so good. Oh, it's been so rich. Um, What I am going to ask you both to do is pray. Um, Mm. So it'll be awesome just for you two to pray. Whatever's on your heart. Like obviously the fact that, you know, we talked about the pornography stuff. We talked about Mm. like what you carry in your marriage and just this incredible brave communication. Like, I don't know what's on your heart, guys, but Mm. please, if both of you can pray for the audience, that will be amazing. Mm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, what an honor. Yeah, I... um. I just want to, I want to speak over um, anyone listening to this. I want to speak over you a blessing um, that is really a, a blessing of God. Uh, um, he who holds all things together in whom we live and move and have our being, the very definition of reality itself. I want to bless you with um, the love that has never been based upon conditions, the love that has never been reserved, the love that has always been directed towards you. And I want to I want to bless you today to be free of the shame that has hindered you, the shame that has made you feel less than you are, the shame that has found its way into your relationship and caused rejection and distance. I want to bless you to know that you are loved with a love that overwhelms the shame that you feel. I want to bless you to know that the love that is that is constantly pulsing towards you is so much greater and vaster and realer than the illusion of shame that you feel. And I bless you to know this truth and deep in, in your bones, deep in the very gut of your being. I bless you to know it in the name of Jesus who has given himself to you as an image of sacrificial love and an image of unconditional and unreserved affection in his name yeah yeah and i just bless and bless your bodies to function as god created you to Mm -hmm. i bless your minds and your emotions to feel as god created you to feel and um your spirits to lead that and um i just pray um god that you would take off any um feelings of hopelessness god whether um 
people are in relationships or wanting a relationship and you know doing all the right things or feeling like they're doing all the wrong things god would you take off the pressure in the name of jesus would you take off the pressure to be perfect or to have a perfect relationship or to to be this you know hyper and um, spiritual person and um, so that they can have what they desire yeah. i just pray god that you would take off um you know that that religious yeah. duty to to be um to be something more than they are god mm. i pray god for that that true self to feel free um to really be unhindered by the past um even by the present so that they can hope for the future mm. and i just pray hope to arise in, in every person that is listening god yeah. um that we don't have this magic wand that we've made a relationship god you you have been um the redeemer yeah. the healer um the provider the father the friend um of this relationship and and you will be that for every single person listening and I just pray, God, an encounter with who you are, who you truly are, that you hold good things and good gifts um, for your children. And Yeah, we just pray, God, for anyone who is wrestling or is struggling um, with anything, God, that we've mentioned. Would you bring um, peace and freedom? And I just speak into your spirit that God's intention towards you is love. Yeah. His intention towards you is kindness. Um, and anything that has happened does not define you. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on. Amen. Wow. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Thank mm. you so much, guys. That is so, so, so precious. Um, how can people get in touch with you both if they wanted to follow you on social media or connect yeah. with you? You can, um, you can uh, probably Instagram is the best thing for both of us. Mm. Um, I'm just Joshua Luke Smith and Kara is Kara and Marie Smith. Yeah. So you can, you can connect with us there. Mm. Amazing. I'm sure so many people are going to want to connect with you guys on Insta. Honestly, both of you are so, so precious. Like, mm. thank you so much for all that you poured out. Like, oh, wow. So rich. So good. And bless you both. And bless you, Kira, as you prepare for the little one. Um, yeah. You know, both you of you. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's the next chapter. Mm, so, so, so good. Guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, pleasure, Thanks Bobby. Thank you for having us. We, we, we've been really looking forward to having that conversation. And uh, yeah, just love hanging out with you. Yeah, so great. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me for today's show. All related social media handles and links can be found in the notes section. If you did enjoy today's episode, then please do feel free to share it and do subscribe to the podcast if you want to know when a new episode is heading your way. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do that via Instagram or Facebook, or you can head over to livinginlight.co.uk. I cannot wait to be with you guys again, and thank you so much for listening to the Living in Light podcast. Because you're beautiful.